Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, your guide to everything love, sex, intimacy, and relationships. Each week, your host, Zach Beach, interviews new experts on love, including couples therapists, relationship coaches, sex educators, and best-selling authors. Learn the best tips and cutting-edge wisdom to better love yourself, others, and the world. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, everyone. I am your host, Zach Beach, and I'm here with the incredible couples therapist and entrepreneur, Figs O'Sullivan. Hello, Figs, and welcome to the show. Uh, Hi, Zach. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks so much for coming on. And for our listeners who don't know, Figs O'Sullivan is a psychotherapist, counselor, and entrepreneur specializing in helping couples and individuals feel more connected in their relationship. One of the most sought-after couples therapists to the movers and shakers of Silicon Valley, Figs is the creator of the Empathy Method, which uses quizzes, reports, coaching, counseling, and more to provide personalized relationship guidance for individuals and couples. He's been featured in dozens of podcasts and on NPR's All Things Considered. Passionate about couples therapy and emotionally focused therapy, Figs is here to talk with us about how long-term relationships work. How are you today, Figs? Very good. Yeah, it's lovely to be on your show. So thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much for getting up early. I know you're in a different time zone and I really appreciate it. And I have so many questions and I know our topic for today is on how long-term relationships work, but I'd love to just have a little bit of a meta talk about relationships in general, because we do have this narrative of the one in our culture, sometimes our soulmate, our twin flame. And it's said that the biggest and most important task is just to find this one. And once you do, you know, life will be perfect and you will live happily ever after. So I'm curious just what your take is on this narrative. Do you think we have a one and that's our goal, ultimate goal in life to find or something else? Yeah, no, I I don't believe that there is a one person out there for for everybody. Um, Ultimately, I think why someone chooses a partner to be with long term is, you know, it's complicated. Um, You know, there's no research on this next thing that I'm going to say. So here's what I see happen. The reason you choose one person to actually be your long-term partner, like it goes from, I met you at a bar and you're an amazing break dancer and it compliments (laughs) my incredible moonwalk. (laughs) Like, Like, you know, you think that's why you chose them. Right. And you probably did at first for just the romantic stuff like, wow, your eyes are so beautiful. But the reason that that relationship would transition to actually survive really long term has nothing to do with, you know, like you're so funny. Oh, my God, you're so clever, whatever it is. Right. And them saying the same stuff to you. We just have so much fun together. Right. That's not actually why you chose each other long term. You choose each other long term because your organism has a missing love experience and it actually detects deep down inside unconsciously in your limbic system it detects with this partner i have a chance and it's going to sound really terrible i have a chance to feel that same pain again but have a different outcome this time so 
It's actually your unmet love needs that get hooked in. And this is why like a bad relationship, like it can be confusing. Like, you know, is this a bad relationship? Am I, am I growing here or is this just awful? Right. Mm -hmm. Because they actually can look quite similar. Right. Because both of you kind of hold the key to the other person actually getting the love they've been missing and longing for all their life. Well, (laughs) I love this idea. It's also, I think, hard truth for a lot of people to understand. People think they fall in love because of the amazing chemistry, the the passionate lovemaking and all these things. But this is something we do hear from therapists who are working with couples and who have done research into this area that we don't choose because of the chemistry or shared values, but because we have what you call missing love experiences or what is sometimes referred to as childhood wounds. And some therapists even say that we choose partners because of how they resemble our parents, which is the most unsexy thing. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, that now there is research in, right? But, you know, that's like probably the strongest body of research, which again could be unsexy, right? That um, basically how you related to your primary caregivers as a kid is how you're going to relate to your like romantic partners, right? So my question to you is, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Because when you say we choose a long-term partner because of what's missing in us, I'm like, well, I want to try my best not to do that. I'm <laughs> That's one strategy, right? I'm going to choose based on certain qualifications in the other person. Another perspective is actually that this is a good thing because it means that this partnership is the perfect partnership for me to heal this missing love experience. So what is your take? Well, look, I tend to think it's a good thing, but like all things, it's nuanced, it's complicated. So let's say if you, whatever happened to you in your childhood, and this is people get really obsessed about a particular bad incident, but like, let's say you just made it through your childhood where you have a wounding around being abandoned. And let's say you're a seven out of 10 on the wounding scale of being abandoned. Okay. You're probably going to be drawn to a seven out of 10 on the wounding scale of being rejected because together you actually form a perfect archetypal whole, right? Yin and the yang, right? So look, if you really were like, whoa, this relationship's too much for me. I'm never feeling prioritized. And and of course you wouldn't, if you're a seven out of 10, you probably won't get it. Like, God, my partner feels rejected and always criticized by me. They're like having a terrible time. I'm having a terrible time. You could still make that relationship work. And it would be amazing by both of you moving towards zero. Now, you're not going to get the zero. Zero is this. There's a magical island of people that have no emotional wounding. And they just <laughs> haven't invited us, you know, but like it doesn't exist. Right. But if you move to a five out of 10, you're actually it's very hard for like seven out of tens on a wounding scale. Don't drag five out of tens to seven out of ten. You're much more likely as a five out of ten to inspire your partner to move with you. And let's say you're out at the disco, right? Which you do. I know, Zach, you're a big disco guy. You told me earlier. Oh, right? yeah. The moonwalking, the breakdancing. Exactly. I, when you said that, I was and like, he's speaking to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
But so, look, the next time you're at a disco, if you've done your own work to actually integrate your own wounding, not get rid of it, to really know this is who I am. I have the sensitivity inside. I'm able to feel my feelings, express my feelings. Like, so you've just moved from the, on the scale from a seven to a five out of 10 on the abandonment wounding of integrating it. You're actually going to be more attracted to a five out of 10 on the rejection scale. And you will be more attracted to a five out of 10. Like if you're at like nine out of 10, like I'm just abandoned and no one cares about me. Look, once again, I'm at the disco. No one even looks at me. This is the crazy thing. You're going to be really attractive to that person that goes, I've never, ever been enough for anybody. Look at that one. They're going to make me feel like shit. I'm going to go talk to them. So like, you know, so it is a combination. It's a really good thing because you literally do have the key to heal each other. and. Like you got to do your own work too, because you're you're going to like attract your your enantomer in organic chemistry. You know you're gonna you know your mirror molecule. You know, yeah. So it's so interesting. You know what I'm hearing from you is basically that like attracts like, and this applies to our wounding, our challenges, our yeah. experiences we've had as children. So if I'm say a healed person more healed than the average person i'll say integrate integrated <laughs> yeah Evo- yeah whatever. i'm going yeah. to attract somebody else who's also on this path so yeah again i'm kind of curious about the, the best path forward would you say i should that most people like who are single should really focus on healing themselves working on themselves first so that they then attract somebody else or just acknowledge that anyone that they enter into a relationship with you're going to have to do the necessary work and it might even be better to do that work together rather than on your own yeah well look i'm a big believer in the best way to do the individual work is inside a relationship because you're going to have all this stuff come up when you do individual therapy it's all theoretical that is my opinion right individual therapy is great but you know if let's say like i came to you for individual therapy i'm going to be myself at best i'm going to talk about my problems right and you know and, and we're going to theoretically go through what i could do how it could be better um you know integrated as a human being i sit down on a couch with a partner we're not going to talk about my stuff my stuff's going to happen right now this second and we're not going to be theoretically working on how i react when i'm really hurting inside i'm literally going to be hurting and reacting right now so we get to work on actually what the real obstacles are to me actually giving and receiving love in a living, breathing moment of time. Now, to go back to, let's say you're single, like, you know, if you're single and then what's the best way to do it? Like you should. So two parts. One, get really good at knowing what are my unmet love needs? What's the vulnerable feeling I actually have, which is very hard to to really know about oneself deeply and own it. This is actually who I am, not something to get rid of. And then what's the negative judgment I have on other people when that hurt is deep down inside? What's the way like I feel threatened? I'm in negative judgment. I'm in a reactive emotion. And what's the behavior I turn to? And then can I see the negative impact I'm having on another person when I'm in this hurt deep down inside, but I'm doing this reactive, protective thing. And then I could actually communicate that to another person. And then you want to be on the lookout. You could still like, look, I got to be honest, your breakdancing killed me today. I had to talk to you. (laughs) You can still approach that same person that it was the breakdancing, right? Or their chaps or whatever. It's approaching Burning Man season, you know, whatever, right? You can still approach (laughs) them. But I would be, I would approach them as, look, I'm a wounded person and love is really important. And it's actually really scary for me. I don't have to say that explicitly, 
Like, you know, you know, like people that are a little over the top on the first date, right? Come on now, slow down. But you just got to know at least that inside about yourself and then be looking to the other person. Do they have that awareness about themselves? Do they know what their reactivity is, the negative impact they can have on someone else? And do they know their vulnerability? Like, it's a great starting point if you've already, you and the person you're you're hoping to start dancing with, (laughs) literally and figuratively if they've done a little bit of work on themselves but you're going to get a chance to do it even if you haven't because you're going to get in the muck with each other one way or the other so i love all the things that you're saying you also cracked me up i feel like our listeners are going to be like why does he keep bringing up break dancing (laughs) (laughs) well that's the point exactly i've I've got stuck on it now i'm probably going to try break dancing later and hurt myself I know we're getting a little old for that, I think. It's true. So, you know, I just heard a lot of really wonderful things we want to bring into our relationships, you know, noticing our judgments, being able to communicate our emotions. And it's really clear to me what a good therapist you are. And you have had all this experience working with couples. So I'd love to just learn a little bit more about why you focused on couples. What brought you to this area of helping people in their relationships? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting, I mean, it's an interesting question, you know, why did I, interesting for me, not for necessarily anyone else, but look, I really think the main reason I like couples work is because I'm a traumatized person, like necessarily, but I think you can't be a good couples therapist unless you're a traumatized person. Because if you think about what you're doing, like I run into 20 burning buildings a week And there are two people sitting in the burning building and I say, hey, come here. I know the way out of this. And both of them say, I'm not leaving. I'm going to keep fucking burning this place down. They're just going to go for it. Right. Like they're just going to keep fighting. Like who in the right mind would run into the middle of a couple fighting in a burning building. Right. And try and help them deescalate. Right. And love each other when they're pretty determined to keep like, you know, like even if they don't think this is what they're doing, like firing shots at each other, right? So the only reason anyone would ever do that is I actually know deeply the pain. Again, on one hand of being abandoned and on the other hand of being rejected. I know what it's like to feel ashamed that I'm not enough. I'm too much. And I know what it's like to be a very reactive, critical, blamey person when I'm hurting. And I also know what it's like to be someone that shuts down and withdraws and pulls away when I'm hurting. And so in just like, let's say in war, someone that has like, like um, shell shock in war, like shell shock, like they've, they've been to two tours of, of um, in Iraq or wherever the latest conflict is, right? You know, um, when they go back into the battlefield, it's clarifying. There's some people that it is clarifying. They see everything, everything slows down. You know, and there are other people that are going to curl up in a ball. For whatever reason, for me, sitting with a couple where where the stakes are really high and they're both feeling really hurt by each other and they're not feeling safe and they feel threatened by each other emotionally, like that is a situation that I'm actually just very comfortable in. And then then I transition them, right? It's such a beautiful, magical thing. It's unbelievable to be the person that gets to share with a couple, like help them go from escalated, they're fighting, they're disconnected to neutral place where they could see both of them make sense to then helping them actually reach out from that neutral place and ask for their needs to be met and they're them getting loved by each other. And I got to sit there and watch them crying and holding each other pretend I'm not here anymore, and then get to say goodbye to them. They leave, skipping down the road. (laughs) 
Like it's amazing. Like it feels it seems like magic to the couple, which of course I know it's not magic. And I don't take it very personally anymore that I'm, you know, doing anything in particular. I just happen to know how to do this thing. But I get to really to the people that are experiencing it, they're literally like, he's like it's it's wizardry. He's a witch. I had I had a couple once. I I left my office right after they left, and one of them was saying to the other, "He's a witch. He's a witch." <laughs> right? Because it can see it really can seem magical the transformation that can happen between people. All right, figures O'Sullivan, the wizard. Breakdancing wizard. <laughs> Breakdancing wizard. It's a lovely title. Thank you. And I do love your metaphor of running into a burning building. There's two people there. And as you kind of mentioned, they're committed to staying in the building. And I want to ask you why couples fight, particularly when you look at each couple individually, they want to be in a happy, loving, connected, supportive partnership. They themselves seem like loving, kind, successful people. And yet you put them together, you know, stew the pot a little bit, and they can get into extreme emotional arguments and you know what what is happening what is the underlying dynamic at play that bring couples into these arguments that's the um now it has to be 10 trillion dollar question right the number <laughs> inflation right that's that's the big one right and so look love is the most important thing that's just it love is the most important thing and no matter how grown up you are when it comes to love you're just still a little baby Wow. And nobody grows up when it comes to love, right? We're still like, you can be the most amazing rocket maker, you know, electric car maker, tunnel borer. But when it comes to love, I'm not picking on any one person, but when it comes to love, you're, you're, um, you're a baby. And what, what that means basically is look, we all need to be emotionally bonded from the cradle to the grave. First need is not food and shelter or the latest iPhone. Right. That was upsetting for some people to, or Wi Fi. I know there was something you needed before Wi Fi. It, it is, uh, you need to be emotionally bonded. And basically, that there's a good enough other from, from the cradle on the other side of your birth. Otherwise, you would die. So, your organism is built, like, you know, over millions of years to detect is there somebody there? And you're when you grow up and again, you're able to like dress yourself and, you know, wipe your own bottom and do your job. Right. Like your primary attachment figure, fingers crossed, is no longer your mom. <laughs> right. Or your dad or whoever your primary parent was. Right. Because that's a totally other starting point if your primary attachment figure is still your mom. So assuming your primary attachment figure is not your mom. Right. It's your actual partner right now. That means when it looks like they're not there for you, they're not available for you. They're not listening to you. You're not see they're not seeing you. They're not prioritizing you. They're not happy with you. They seem disappointed in you. Whatever flavor of love you're sensitive to, when it looks like they're withholding that flavor of love, you're going to feel threatened at a very, very deep limbic system level, your emotional body. And then because that's so threatening, because their love means so much, you're going to react and you're going to protest in a way that you learn to do to survive your whole life. Now, you're not even going to notice and believe it's a reaction or a protest 
it just seems like the logical thing to do in a moment where my partner that means so much to me is withholding a flavor of love for me. So again, you're going to say, hey, you're not listening to me, right? Or you're going to shut down. I'm not saying another word. They're going to criticize me. But one of those that whatever action you take, it actually now hurts. It threatens your partner. They now go, oh, no. The flavor of love that's really I'm really sensitive to, it looks like it's being withheld from me, right? Because of their deep down need to be emotionally bonded with their primary partner. And they're going to get all contracted and it's going to be unbearable to stay in that place. And then they're going to protest and turn. And then you that that cycle just keeps going. One person gets hurt, they react, it hurts the other person, they react, it hurts the first person again. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And um but yeah, the re the me, why do we fight is just because we love each other so much. And it's really scary when it looks like your primary person is withholding love from you. Wow. Just to summarize what I'm hearing from you is that one, love is like the most important thing. We absolutely need it. As a result, it's functioning. It's deeply rooted in our brain. And threats to that love basically create havoc. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's terrifying. And that's the thing we're minimized. We, we've all, and as a culture, we've minimized that, you know, I don't quite understand why are all the songs about love? Like what gives And You know, and like people are like, love is the most important thing. Like, what does that even mean? Well, if we just look at it scientifically, what it means is we're just a creature that if there wasn't someone that loved us, we'd be dead. Right. You can't survive. Right. A baby can't survive. It can survive without like external food. It can survive without shelter as long as someone is there. And that that never goes away. It just moves from our attachment to the parent or the primary caregiver to the person. And again, look, I'm not I, I like all forms of dance, like if they were a hip hop dancer, swing dancer, like just that whatever that person that you're like, would you look at them? Woo. Right <laughs> now, you know, and then we do our honeymoon thing for a while, long enough for the, the attachment mechanism to go. Now my organism goes, you're the one I want my emotional needs to be met by. And now it's game on. Now, some people only have a week honeymoon period. Some people don't have any at all. They go right into attachment. You're the one that I have to have my emotional needs met by. So. I'd love to get into today's topic on how long-term relationships work. So we've already heard that early on in the relationship, our own childhood wounds will come up. Hopefully we have a supportive partnership where we can work on those woundings together, communicate them. So how do we make it work in the longer term? Yeah, well, you know, so the, the good news, you just have to be really good at one thing. Right. You got to be really good at, I mean, there's multiple parts to it, right? At being able to see when we're in a negative interactionary system with each other, right? And it's actually a positive feedback loop, right? Where both of us are hurting validly. We both are validly hurting. Usually that's not how a, a fight looks at first. It looks like I'm validly hurting and you're the asshole that's doing it to me, both people, right? And we have to be able to get to wait a second to go from two separate stories of what's happening to one shared story that we both fit inside. Would you look at what we are doing 
we're both hurting because we're so important to each other. And the way we're both reacting is hurting the other person. Right. So that's the first thing you, and this is really hard. This is like, it sounds so simple that we have to go from these two separate narratives to one shared narrative about what's going on. And that's honestly, that's what we practice the most in couples counseling. The couple is going to come in. They're going to tell us, here's the latest fight that fixed this time. There's no way this is a nuts thing. This is definitely, they were terrible. Right. And, and then again, I'm going to go through the same thing and, and work out how both of them are valid. Both of them are hurting. Both of the way they're reacting and make sense. It hurts the other person. Would you look at what you're both doing? How sad for both of you. And we're trying to get people to go from two separate suffering bubbles. They're in their own individual subjective suffering bubbles to one shared suffering. And, and, and this is really hard. Nobody has ever gone, hey, you know what I really need to work on? I need to work on how to go from my own separate individual suffering, both of us as partners, to sharing suffering, right? Everybody wants to work on being happy, right? But actually, that's that there's an intermediary step that's really important, which is this like um, shared this is really sad for both of us to be disconnected and both of us, no matter what we do to make this better, keeps making it worse. That's the place where people need to be able to get to stay in and be empathic and compassionate to each other. That's what heals. And then you can go do your, your happy dance together. <laughs> well, that's so interesting because yeah, I was expecting that sentence to end differently when you said move from two separate suffering bubbles to one. And I thought it was going to be happy together bubble, but instead it was a shared suffering bubble. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's the thing that it's really paradoxical and counterintuitive. How I really help people, I don't help people feel better. I help people feel their feelings better and help them feel their feelings better together. And it's really weird. It seems like my therapist must be must be crazy. <laughs> Why is he actually helping us feel even worse right now? But this is this thing we it's again, this is what I'm saying, like it's literally magical because if we can actually both be in our most vulnerable, painful parts together and we can see the other persons, those protectors, those strategic things we do to make sure we protect our vulnerable selves, they're not needed anymore. They can go for a walk around Golden Gate Park and the two vulnerable people inside of us, the little kids inside of us, it just hurts when it looks like you're not there for me. Well, I just hurt when it looks like you're disappointed in me. They can actually, they're not a threat. See, they're actually not a threat to each other. It's your big grown-up protector parts that are actually very threatening to your partner's little vulnerable one inside that really wants to connect with you and give you the love you need and is longing for you to love them. So yeah, we just can't bypass, I know no one's ever going to see me for couples counseling. We can't bypass just how much it really, really hurts to be disconnected from you. I really love that you said, our goal is not to feel better yet, <laughs> but yes, to feel yeah. our feelings better. Exactly. And then feel our feelings better together, right? So there's literally like two parts. And this is the other thing, like, so as experiential therapists, you know, the human potential movement, Esalen in the 60s and like on to the 70s and 80s and 90s, 2000s, and every therapist that had been trained during that time, they were very good at helping people feel their feelings, but they didn't add the second part, which is this is the feeling I'm having in relationship to you because you're so important to me. The, what's new now, like and why like couples gasoline is so different now 
it's not just like you have these two individuals and you're helping them share, well, this is how I feel. And I'm a, I'm a sovereign individual and my feelings are valid. And if you can't accept that, right, like there is a lot of like refereeing fights and getting people just to share their truth. But now the emphasis is very different. Look, this is the vulnerable feeling I have in relationship to you because of the way you matter to me. So it's the vulnerable feeling plus the attachment, the emotional bonding significance. And that's what's soothing. So wait a second, are you saying when you're when you're Mr. or Mrs. or undefined, what's the Mr. or Mrs. like gender neutral? What is that? <laughs> What do you mean the, like the gender neutral version of like John and Jane Doe? Or our Mr. or Mrs., right? Whatever the gender neutral version is miss of Mr. or Mrs. I don't even know what that is. But anyway, so like, you know, you know, like, so wait a second. Are you saying like when you're when you, dear partner of mine, are really critical of me? What's actually happening is you're devastated inside because you're getting scared that I don't matter to you. Oh, shoot. Like, so that awful behavior that I don't like of yours is actually an indication of how much I mean to you. But I've been interpreting this whole time. It's like you're disappointed in me and I'm never good enough for you. Like, it's still going to hurt the next time. But the fact that like that story now is available, like, oh, you're starting to criticize. You're doing that thing you do when you're scared. Like, I'm not there for you. Oh, you actually really love me. That can come and, you know, as people can access that when they're in a disconnected moment, it changes everything. It changes, like, your interpretation of why we're fighting, why we're disconnected. It's just something that's actually very beautiful. We're fighting again because we mean so much to each other. And being able to come back to that over and over and over again for the rest of your life, which you will have to, this is another really important point. Like, how do you make love and relationship work long term? You accept, surrender to, and see the beauty in. We're so important to each other. We're going to scare the living daylights of each other over and over again for the rest of our life. <laughs> it's not like, we did couples counseling. It's over. Yay. Right? Like, it's like, no, like, we're we're so important. I'll probably scare you looking like I'm not, you're not a priority to me again today. And you're going to in turn scare me today looking like I'm, you know, I'm a disappointment to you. Right. I don't know if I got my pronouns right that time, but anyway, but, um, but yeah. So like, we got to accept like, Oh my God, like we're going to scare each other a lot because we're so important to each other. And it's a beautiful thing. Let's go to 7-Eleven and buy their, their most expensive bottle of champagne and celebrate. We fight because we love each other. That's where I go for champagne. I love that shift that we're fighting again and because you know we're not meant to be or something like that to we're fighting again because we mean so much to each other. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, that's true. That's what's happening, right? Everything else is noise. Everything else is just peripheral. It doesn't matter. You know, this is like you you got to become Neo in the Matrix, right? Everyone <laughs> else in the Matrix sees all this, like all this colors and other people and cars and buildings. And it's all very overwhelming and so much information. And Neo just sees zeros and ones. It's very simple. And this is the crazy thing. We're all overcomplicating relationship. It's never about the topic you're arguing about. It's always this emotional bonding thing. And it's very, very simple. Now, that doesn't mean it's easy, but it's what's happening between the two of you is, is unbelievably simple. Now, most people really don't like that. They're like, look, we're, we are very unique and we're very special. <laughs> which you are, which you are. And what's happening between the two of you is it's actually quite simple. You just love each other. 
and you're scaring the living daylights out of each other. <laughs> right. So, so, and you know what people deserve when they're getting scared by the person they love both directions? They, they really deserve a lot of love and care, both of you. So real quick, can you give our listeners an example of that sentence that you are encouraging? Earlier, you mentioned it's not just saying like, I feel this, right? It's not just yeah. being aware of our emotions and communicating them, but it is saying, I feel this in relation to you and potentially like what's happening in our relationship. So what's an example? Like I'm afraid because blah, blah, blah. So I can tell you about it, but you notice know like Buddhist expression, right? A finger pointing at the moon is not the moon. Like, like you have to be able to do it in a living, breathing moment of time. It's not the exact words. So, so let me tell you, here's the, here's the transition, right? When you're really hurting, you're probably going to be reactive and you're going to be, te- you're going to be sharing reactive emotions, most likely. And that's like, I, and you might even be thinking you're sharing vulnerable feelings, but you're saying I'm sad because of you, because of what you're doing. So you're really now going, I'm sad because you're bad. So the, so the first transition we're going to have to make, or you're going, I'm angry because you're bad. So if you, let's say you started angry or bad, and then you're like, no, I'm actually, yeah, I'm angry, but I'm sad because you're bad, right? Because you didn't show up at t- on time. Once again, evidence I'm not a priority to you or whatever it is, right? So now the, the, the first transition you have to make is I'm having this feeling, this I'm having this reactive emotion. If I'm in a reactive emotion that someone else has made me feel, I must be having a vulnerable experience inside. What's the vulnerable experience? Well, if someone didn't show up, I'm mad at them. They didn't show up. What is it I'm not getting that matters to me? Oh, I didn't feel considered. Oh, what's it really like for me deep down inside, like deep down inside when I don't feel considered? It's actually really sad. Okay, great. Well, why would I in particular, and that is the second transition. So I made the transition from reactive emotion that someone else did it to me to actually right underneath that reactive emotion. There's a love need I'm not getting. I love to be considered like in general. And it's really sad for me when I don't feel considered. Well, now, why in the name of God am I feeling it so much with this particular person? Well, they're the most important person for me to feel considered by. <laughs> so now, and now like where I at first told them, how dare you arrive 10 minutes late? You said you would be like, I'm angry at you. You're the one that's made me feel right. And now I'm actually in, I'm in contact with, look, I'm in my not considered place and being considered by you means so much to me. This is the attachment significance. It's you and being considered by you means so much that I'm in this sad place. So we just went from reactive emotion, judgment of other, to vulnerable feeling and knowing the unmet love need, and then getting that, hey, I'm now feeling this because you mean so much to me. Which again, what a different message. Right. To you 10 minutes late. <laughs> right. Like it's such a different message. Now, don't if like someone wrote this down and now they're going to go practice it right now. Before that could work, we got to get to the neutral place where we're in the shared. Hey, we both make sense. If your partner is still like hurting because they've been 10 minutes late eight times this week and they think you're like Medusa and you're going to like turn them to stone, which are disapproving looks. <laughs> Don't be going all of a sudden thinking I'll just share my vulnerability and they're going to go, oh, yay, I'm ready to love you now. No, they're probably still hurting. We got it. We can't bypass the shared suffering place, right? That has to come first. You can't be just reaching out, sharing your vulnerability and thinking your partner realizes you're no longer an alligator. You're all cuddly now and they're not going to get their hand bitten off if they try and love you. 
we can't bypass the shared suffering place. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> well, I that's the thing. That's why people get themselves in trouble because both people are trying to bypass the shared suffering place. And that's what most people aren't going to do couples counseling until it's bad enough, right? Because they are pretty convinced there's another way to do it. Can I just learn communication skills? Can't we just like, like schedule date nights? Isn't there a new season of like Ozarks? I don't know, whatever the latest show is, right? Can't I just promise I'll be good? Won't you promise you'll be good? Like we'll do anything then to actually get to the shared suffering place. It's the only thing that works, sorry. So as we're kind of winding down, I am just thinking about what is the best thing a couple can do to improve their relationship based on some of the information that we are hearing. You know, for example, when I hear like be with the suffering, the term compassion comes to mind and cultivating our yeah. capacity to be compassionate. But I'm also hearing empathy of the other person's emotions, perhaps mindfulness. So I'm in a relationship. I want it to improve. I want I'm in it for the long term. What are some things that I can do today? to just better the relationship. You know, it's going to sound very self-serving, but, you know, I do it because I believe in it. Like, you do couples counseling. Even if you're, like, pretty happy. Yeah, yeah, happy, of course. You have to study your cycle. you got to study the, the system, the positive feedback loop that you create together. And to study a... It's very hard to study a system when, let's say, let's say you're a two-tree woods... There's woods and there's only two trees in it. How can one of the trees study the woods? You're stuck in place. You can't get outside of the woods. You can't like get the drone, drone's eye view. Like it literally is such a huge paradigm shift. I always think like it's almost like going like a someone going from a 2D world to a 3D world, like where you can, oh my God, I see what I'm doing inside the system and I can see the entire system from above. And I don't know how people do that without a third person that knows what they're doing, being able to go, do you see what's actually happening between the two of you as a system? So I, I just don't know another way. I'm, you know, I've, I'm, by the way, all joking aside, the dance was my main personal development vehicle before I became oh. a therapist. <laughs> and I used to, I actually have done for my and myself, like uh, improvisational dance as a couple's improvement tool you know, really tracking like what's happening between us emotionally while dancing. So there are other, there are other possibilities. Like you can study what's actually happening between you and someone else other than couples counseling. But look, I, I do this thing, emotionally focused couples therapy because it works, right? I, it's not like, it's again, backed by science and it works. Like, so to find a way to study your system, the best way to do it is couples counseling with someone that actually knows what they're doing. But I, I would just pray if you're going to do it at home, I have an online course like or, or did like just start like, what is the system? What is the very simple four things? What is the way I'm hurting deep down inside? What's the way I react? What's the impact my reaction has on you? What's the way you're hurting deep down inside? What's the way you react that then impacts me and I'm hurting? And just those four things. It's an infinity loop. Like start trying to map out what your infinity loop is as a couple. And so that you can see it as it happens in real time. So hurting, reaction, impact, and well, well, sorry. So both. Be, so the four things are one partner one is hurting deep down inside because they're not feeling loved, and then they react. Number two is they react, they protest the way they're hurting, which hurts partner two. Number three, partner two gets hurt 
because now there's a flavor of love they're not getting. And then they protest the way they're hurting that in turn re-hurts partner one. So now, so we're back to number one. And so now partner one actually protests again, number two, which of course, number three hurts partner two again, which now number four, they actually protest and they they reaffirm their worst stories of each other and they keep being justified in their reactions and both of them are making it worse. The number one thing you can do to improve your relationship is see how that happens between the two of you. Be able to see it from the outside. Right. And here's the make it really hard. It's temporarily impossible to do because love means so much. It's so threatening. There's no way even I can't have perspective when I'm fighting my with my wife. And this is the only thing I do. Right. <laughs> like I'm I'm in it like I'm I'm one of the trees and the two tree woods. I don't care what's happening. I'm ready to fight with my branches like stuck in play. I'm like, you know. Yeah. But then eventually be able to see, look at the way we're both hurting. We're both hurting each other. Shared suffering. That's the most important thing to be able to do. Wonderful. Well, as we are winding down, I do have to finish by asking the question I love to ask all of my guests. I know you've kind of answered it in different ways, but I love to ask, what do you wish everyone knew about love? Yeah, you, you fight because you love each other. And you're both trying really, really hard to get back to a place where I'm safe, I'm held. Everything's okay now. Whether that's I'm trying to get you to like, do you see me? Do you care about me? Or whether like, oh my God, is there any way you could stop being disappointed in me? Right. Even if your partner's behaviors make no sense to you that that's what they're trying to do. Everybody is in love. They're fighting because it hurts so much to be disconnected. It's terrifying. And um, yeah, you both just make it worse. It's actually very sad for both of you. And that's the last statement. That's the punchline. That's the transition that starts to tell your limbic system, look, I'm not actually in a threat right now. We're both hurting because we're so important to each other. Yeah, I'm almost hearing that basically our emotional distress in relationship is just intimately connected to and almost proportional to our emotional connection because the threat is larger. Exactly. Exactly. Well put. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, Figs O'Sullivan, for coming on to your show, for your lovely breakdancing metaphors. And <laughs> but also, I really appreciate your really simple, grounded, and also real advice that you're not just telling us to just, oh, be happy in sunshine and rainbows all the time. But we have to go into the hurt, the wounding, the growth, the reactivity, and all these things. So for our listeners who want to learn more about you, how can they find you? Yeah, the easiest way is just go to empathy.com and it's empathy with an I on the end, not a Y on the end. I couldn't afford empathy with a Y on the end.com. <laughs> so just improvised. So yeah, just empathy with an I on the end.com. And yeah, my wife and I have a podcast together where we share our own couples counseling sessions. Okay. I think it's called the Come Here to Me podcast. So you can listen to my annoying Irish accent. So even with all your knowledge, you still have to go to couples counseling to work on. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, again, I'm a traumatized person. So is my wife. We're, we're all, hey, look, we're all dogs from the pound. If you, you really believe you're not a dog from the pound, good for you, right? But we're all dogs from the pound. We all get hurt. We all get scared. And we all react. And we all hurt our partners. And they react. And um, like no one has, no one arrives finally arrives it's a it's a process it's a journey it's it yeah 
Well, as a poet and a writer, I just love all your imagery, all your metaphors today. Dogs from the pound, the building on fire. It just really brings it home. So thank you so much, Vigzo Sullivan, for coming on to the show. And thank you, listeners, for listening to the show. We hope you remember all the valuable lessons that Figs shared with us today, including that at the beginning of a relationship, like attracts like, you will most likely choose someone that you hope can heal your childhood wounds and what's missing. And love is hard because it's so important. It's deeply rooted in our brain and it's functioning. And the reason that you're fighting is because you love each other. So it's a matter of coming to that bubble of shared suffering on your way, of course, to greater connection and happiness. If you want to learn more about me, you can head to zachbeach.com and learn more about the show at theheartcenter.com. Thanks again, Figs. Thank you, Zach. Thanks again for listening to the Learn to Love podcast. To learn more about the show and your host, head over to ZachBeach.com or TheHeartCenter.com. You can also follow Zach on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 